Amen. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is where you are. Thank you for joining me again for Rev Kev and The Root, where we get to the root and not just the shoot. I would like to begin our time together today with a prayer. Father, we thank you today for your anointing. We thank you for the protection of your spirit. Lord, we thank you for leading us and guiding us into all the truth by the paraclete, the one that Jesus said would come alongside to help us, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I ask that you'd open our eyes, that you would help me, Lord, as I teach and as I pro uh, proclaim your word. Lord, let it come forth as you want it to come forth. Let it come forth, Lord, in a way that is clear, that is plain, Lord, in a way that is powerful, in a way that is anointed, and in a way, Lord, that brings light to many areas, Lord, uh, in, in our lives. And Father, I just thank you for your word, because you said that your word is a two-edged sword that pierces asunder, even dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Lord, I thank you that we are a trichotomy. I thank you, Lord, that we live in this natural world, but there's also a spiritual realm to this world, Lord. And Father, I ask that you would help us, Lord, to sharpen our senses, uh, our spiritual senses, Lord, and Lord, to be trained in the area of spiritual warfare and in the area, Lord, of recognizing the enemy, Lord, when he tries to hide behind people's actions, Lord, knowing that he is the perpetrator mainly of those actions. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have told us in your word that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. I thank you, Lord God, that you lead us and guide us into all the truth, even as you led and guided the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land eventually, Lord. Uh, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you also lead and guide us. Lord, help us to pay attention, Lord, to the natural signs that you give us, Lord, because we know that we live in a natural world. We know that the spirit realm is unseen by the natural eye. So help us to see, Lord, those, those, those natural signs that you give us that, Lord, have a spiritual origin about them because they're sent from you. And Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would help each and every one of us, Lord, to always be in tune with you and what you want to do and where you want us to go and what you want us to do in our lives. So, Father, I give you all the glory and honor and the praise. Lord, I ask that you would be with those that are suffering in the hospitals from COVID-19, Lord, that you would heal their bodies. Lord, those that have, have lost loved ones, that you would heal their hearts and their hurts. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Now, uh, I'd like to share you know, a foundational scripture as I usually do. Uh, it's found in Hebrews chapter 5, beginning with verse 11. It says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he or she is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, or those that are mature, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised 
to discern both good and evil. He didn't say have your sense exercise. He said senses exercise to discern uh, both good and evil. I would like to uh, pick up in the book of Shemot or the book of Exodus chapter 14 when the children of Israel uh, were leaving out of Egypt uh, and God began to do his works among them. But before we do that, uh, turn with me to Exodus chapter number one. We're going to Exodus 14, but first of all, let's look at Exodus chapter one. Uh, excuse me. This uh, is talking about when the children of Israel first got down into Egypt. But I just want you to see one thing about this particular chapter in chapter one, beginning with verse one. It says, now these are the names of the children of Israel or the children of Jacob, which came into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob, and the names were Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all of the children of Israel uh, were the descendants of the sons of Jacob. Verse 5 says, and all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls. So when he first got down into Egypt, it was 70 people that came down into Egypt for Joseph was in Egypt already. And so these are the ones, but the thing I want you to see is in verse five of Exodus chapter one, it says, and all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls uh, and the word soul in the Hebrew is the word nephish. And we talked about this some time ago, but uh, it bears repeating again. The word soul is the word, a Hebrew word nephish. And the word nephish is a noun which means uh, a person, uh, a self, a desire, a passion, an appetite, an emotion. Or the inner being. As you remember uh, in Genesis, it said when God created Adam, Adam became a living soul. So that meant Adam became the word Hebrew word there is a is a nephish. And when you're talking about a person, you're talking about more than just the outer man, but you're also talking about the inner man or the inner woman. And you're talking about their their passions, their desires, their appetites, their emotions, and their inner being. And so when we're talking about the children of Israel and them down in Egypt, you're talking about a whole person. When you're talking about them coming out of Egypt, you're talking about a whole person. You're talking about a, a, a whole entire uh, being. And when we come to God, we're bringing uh, our whole being, whatever that may be, whether our being has been damaged, uh, emotionally damaged from different uh, situations and circumstances or the way we grew up or whether we've been damaged from a parent or whether we've been damaged from a spouse or whether we've been damaged from a friend 
uh, or whatever, uh, whatever the case may be, we're bringing all of that with us to God. And in our journeys with God, we're bringing all of that with us, you know, and sometimes when people get saved, uh, Jesus automatically transforms them in such a way to where they're, they're just, they, a lot of areas they don't struggle in anymore. They don't deal with that anymore. But the Bible does say, say that if any man, meaning man or woman, if any man or any person or any nephish or soul be in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And the implication there is an implication of uh, meaning metamorphosis. And anyone who knows anything about a metamorphosis knows that a metamorphosis takes time. It is a process. And so when we come to God, we are saved, but then there is the process of sanctification. There is the process of cleaning up. And you see these people, uh, the children of Israel, which we are taking a journey with them as one of them. When we came out of Egypt, we came out of Egypt with things that we had learned because remember that the children of Israel did not grow up in Canaan. There was only 70 people that came down into Egypt and those 70 people we just talked about, Jacob's sons. And so uh, the people that were birthed from them out of their loins, out of Benjamin's loins and Gad and Asher and Naphtali and all of those, those were birthed, those were people that were birthed in Egypt. They grew up, they were born in Egypt, they grew up in Egypt. Remember, Pharaoh tried to take and throw all the male children into the river, but a lot of them survived because of the midwives that feared God. But these people grew up there. And so this, they, they you know, it's like the disciples said one time, can anything good come out of Nazareth when they heard Jesus was from Nazareth? And so we know that our surroundings has a bearing on our thinking, on our uh, the way we perceive things, and uh, it has a bearing on uh, uh, our emotional makeup and all those kind of things. And so, uh, but when we come to God, uh, we're in our journeys with God. We're bringing our entire person, our entire composition. Whatever shortfalls we may have as a person, we're bringing that with us. Whatever uh, uh, misunderstandings or bad thinking or whatever or, or negativity that we have in us, then we're bringing all of those things with us. All that makes you, you as a trichotomy. We're bringing with us out of Egypt. We're bringing, uh, you know, when we come out of the world, we're bringing the mode of our mental processes. You know, when when Jesus's disciples came to him and I'm just making a point flashing back to Jesus's disciples, we're going to talk about the children of Israel, but I'm making a point and using them in that point. So uh, but he said, oh, ye of little faith, why do you doubt? They were afraid in the boat. You had Peter's sword. You had Judas as a thief. You had James and John's violence when they wanted to call down fire on the people. And Jesus said, you don't know what spiritual of. Uh, then if we fast forward, we have Moses's anger. Moses killed a man, you see. So everything that is in us, we're bringing that with us in our journeys with God. Not saying that we need to leave it there because we don't. All those things need to be changed. There's a lot of work to be done inside of us, not just around us, but inside of us. 
But when we come to God, we're bringing our inclinations, we're bringing our habits, whatever uh, bent we have, whatever, you know, we're bringing that, we're bringing our inclinations, we're bringing our aptitudes, and we're bringing our attitudes to God. And so the children of Israel, the situation here is, is that they, God was bringing them out of Egypt by the hand of Moses. And so, you know, what is the, what is the psychology here? Because, you know, there, we can't separate the way a person thinks from the person. So we have an unfamiliar God, really, because Moses didn't meet God until uh, in uh, Exodus chapter three. And he really didn't know God. Neither did the children of Israel really know God, and they really didn't know the one who was called to lead them, which was Moses. So we have an unfamiliar God, an unfamiliar leader, and an unfamiliar journey. So you have to remember that because these people have emotions just like we have today. They have feelings just like we have today. They have temperaments just like we have today. And I did a little bit of a study on, on the different temperaments, not too much of a study, but I did some uh, just looking up the different types of temperaments in people. And you have the sanguine uh, temperament, which is quick and impulsive and also short-lived. You have the choleric uh, temperament, which is an extrovert or a goal-oriented or an ambitious person. Then you have the phlegmatic, which uh, has no fear of rejection and can handle hostile people. They're calm and easygoing. Then you have the melancholic. Uh, type of uh, temperament in a person, uh, and they're more analytical, uh, detail-oriented. They're a deep-thinking people uh, and a deep feeler. But then you also have these different types of people. You have the inspector, you have the crafter, you have the protector, you have the artist, you have the advocate, the mediator, the architect, the thinker, the persuader, the director, you have the performer, you have the caregiver, you have the champion, you have the giver, uh, the debater, and the commander. So you have all these different types of, 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 of uh, temperaments and mentalities. But in the employment of scripture and making midrash, we must keep flesh on the scripture. Did you hear what I said? We must keep flesh on the scripture. Now, what do I mean? I mean that we need to keep the scriptures human and keep the humans human. It's not... No such thing as just a historical record, but this is a record of people's lives. And also, not only that, but the, the, the people weren't superhuman. They were human, but they had the Holy Spirit. They had God. Amen. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So God took those words off of that page and put them in a fleshly body so that we could actually see, just like John said. He said, oh, what we have seen, what we have heard, what, uh, what, our, what our ears have heard, what our hands have handled of the word of life, we declare unto you. Now, uh, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter four, verse seven, that wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all thy getting, get understanding. We have to not let uh, uh, this book just be a book of facts, 
but we need to get uh, an understanding of what we are reading. Every time we open the books, uh, the, the pages of this Bible, we need to look for what is the Bible trying to tell us? What is the Bible pointing to? And what are the experiences that others had in life that I myself can incorporate into my life? You know, and we have a we have a great advantage because not only are we called, are we saved, are we blood uh, washed, are we filled with the spirit, but we also get to have a bird's eye view of somebody else's walk with the Lord and their journeys with the Lord and actually learn from them. The children of Israel didn't have a prototype. They didn't have the scriptures. All they had was uh, a leader and they had God, but they had enough. But nevertheless, if you understand what I'm saying, they weren't able to look at a prototype. They weren't able to look at examples. We're able to look at their lives as examples and learn from them. The Bible uh, in Greek is called uh, Biblios. The name is Biblios in Greek, and it means a record of human experience as it relates to God. A record of human experience as it relates to God. Now go with me to Exodus chapter 14, and let's pick up there. It says, and Adonai, meaning God, Adonai said to Moshe or Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn around and set up camp in front of Pihahiroth between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon, camp opposite it by the sea. And you can see how detailed God is. And everything that he does, God is very, very detailed and he's very specific as far as what he wants us to do. Remember that in our lives, God is detailed, but he's also specific. There's, there's, there's no uh, wondering what God wants us to do and, and feeling like, you know, we're in a fog and all that kind of stuff. Uh, then Pharaoh will say to the uh, say that the people of Israel are wandering aimlessly in the countryside. The desert has closed in on them. This is what Pharaoh will say. God also knows what our he knows what we're thinking, and he knows what our enemy is thinking because it's right here. He got Moses to record it in the Word of God. I will make Pharaoh so hard hardened that he will pursue them. He's going to come after the children of Israel. Thus, I will win glory for myself at the expense of Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians will realize at last that I am Adonai. The people uh, did as they were ordered. Now, just reading this, you say, well, God told him to turn here and go there, camp before Pihahiroth, opposite the sea, then uh, 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 in front of Baal Zephon and things like that. But when you really look at the positioning of where God is telling them to camp, you know, you, on one side, you have Pihahirot. Then on the other side, you have Migdal. Then on the other side of them, uh, you have the sea. And then you have Baal Zephon in front of them. So in other words, they were closed in at this point. It seemed like that they were, that their back was against a wall, that they, they really didn't have anywhere to turn. So the sea was in front of them. Baal Zephon was on the other side, Pahahiroth was on the other side, and Migdal was on the other side. So where were they going to go? You see? But it seemed like they were closed and it seemed like this was it. You ever had a time like that in your life when it seemed like you were just so closed in that the walls were closing in on you and you didn't have anywhere to turn and you didn't have any way out of that situation? 
But the Bible said that there is no temptation that is taken us, but such as is common to man. And temptation there doesn't just mean a sexual temptation or a, a temptation to do something to somebody or something like that. No, that te that actually the word temptation, that means test. There's no test that has taken you, but such as is common to man. So this same test that these children of Israel uh, went through it that we're going through right now with them. As we look at Belzephon on one side and Pihahirath on the other side and Migdal on the other side, you know, and the sea on the other side. And God told uh, Moses to, to, to raise up his hand. He said, look, I'm going to win glory for myself. You, Moses, you just do what I tell you to do. And so he said, then the Israelites, or rather the Egyptians, are going to realize that I am God. It says, when the king of Egypt was told that uh, the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people. They said, "They what have we done letting Israel go from stop being our slaves? So he prepared his chariots and took people with him. He took 600 qualified, uh, first qualified chariots, as well as all the other chariots in Egypt, along with their commanders. Adonai made Pharaoh hard-hardened and he pursued after the people. Uh, of Israel as they left Boli. The Egyptians went after them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh with his cavalry and army and overtook them as they were encamped by the sea by uh, Pihahiroth in front of Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and saw the Egyptians right there. And so God knows that what we see, what is visible to us, has a bearing on our emotional stability a lot of times because we get afraid because of the things that we see. Uh, we see the enemy coming after us. We see that uh, our children not acting right. Or we see this all different kind of things that we see and it has a bearing on our emotional stability. And so just like anybody else, it said that they saw them coming upon them uh, uh the, the uh, children of Israel looked up and saw e the Egyptians right there coming after them. In great fear, the people of Israel cried out to Adonai and uh, they cried out. They cried out to Adonai. And uh, they said, was it because there wasn't enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out to die in the desert? Why have you done this to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we tell you in Egypt to let us alone? We'll uh, just go on being slaves for the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to be the Egyptian slaves than to die in the desert. You see, now what made them make a, uh, a statement like this? It was because that what they saw, because they weren't looking in, in the spirit, but they were looking at natural things around them and they saw Pharaoh coming after them. They knew that Pharaoh had his chariots. They could see the chariots. They could see Pharaoh. They could see his army. And all of these things caused them to be unnerved. Now, they made a statement and they said it would be better for us to go back to Egypt. Who would make such a statement? Well, there's a, a in science, there's a, a, a concept. Uh, it's called the exposure effect. Uh, a psychological phenomenon by which people tend to develop a preference for things merely because they are familiar with them. Uh, in social psychology, this effect uh, is sometimes called the familiarity principle. 
And so just like I talked about in a in a previous podcast, you know, sometimes we'll we'll choose or sometimes we'll settle for or sometimes we'll go back to something no matter how bad it is simply because we're familiar with it, simply because we're comfortable there. You see, and the children of Israel growing up in Egypt, that was their home. And so when they saw all of these things happening, saw Pharaoh coming after them, they began to be fearful and they would have rather go back there because at least I know what's back there, but I don't know what's ahead. So Moshe answered the people, stop being so fearful, remain steady. In other words, calm yourself down, calm down. And one of the fruits of the spirit is temperance, is self-control. A lot of times in situations, and no matter how bad it may look, we have to learn how to govern our emotions and don't let our emotions get all out of whack and get us off track because that's what eventually will happen. If we let our emotions take over, then we'll wind up making irrational decisions because we're being so emotional. We're more controlled by what we see and our emotions than we are by what we see or what we should see in the spirit. Moses says, stop being so fearful, remain steady, and you will see uh, how Adonai is going to save you. He will do it today. Today you have seen the Egyptians, but you will never see them again. And Adonai will do battle for you. Just calm yourselves down. You see, that's what he says. Calm yourself down. Sometimes we have to learn, I mean, just how to, to get a hold of ourselves and calm our emotions down. This is a fruit of the spirit, which means that it's something that is produced by the spirit, temperance, self-control that is produced by the spirit. And so it's not something that maybe comes naturally, but it's something that God is able to produce in our lives, where when we go through situations that look a certain way, we're, we're able to keep our composure because we're not looking at that situation. You see, we're talking about the sense of sight and not being governed by our natural sight, but being governed by our spiritual sight. Adonai asked Moshe, why are you crying to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift your staff, reach out your hand over the sea and divide it in two. The people of Israel will advance into the sea on dry ground. This is what God is telling Moses. As for me, I will make the Egyptians hard hearted and they will march after them. Thus, I will win glory for myself at the expense of Pharaoh and all his army and his chariots and cavalry. Then the Egyptians will realize that I am Adonai when I have won myself glory at the expense of Pharaoh and his chariots and his cavalry. Uh, because the Egyptians had they were they believed in uh, monotheism uh, uh uh, let me see. Next, the anger of God. Next, the anger of, of God, who was the, I'm sorry. Next, the angel of God, who was going ahead of the camp of Israel, moved away and went behind them. Talking about the children of Israel, the, the angel of the Lord in the pillar of cloud moved behind the children of Israel and the column of cloud uh, moved away from in front of them and stood behind them, it stationed itself between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. There was cloud and darkness here, but uh, in the camp of Egypt, there was cloud and darkness, but light by night there in the, in the camp of the children of Israel, so that the one did not come near the other all night long. God stood between them and their enemy. Many times that's what God does in our lives. 
as we take this journey with the children of Israel is that he stands between us and Pharaoh, us and the devil, us and our enemies. Moshe reached his hand uh, out over the sea and Adonai caused the sea to go back uh, before a strong east wind all night. He made the sea become dry land and its water was divided in two. Then the people of Israel went into the sea on dry ground, just as God had said they would, with the water walled up uh, for them on either side, on their right and on their left. The Egyptians continued their pursuit, going after them into the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, chariots and cavalry, just before dawn. Adonai looked out on the Egyptian army through the column of uh, fire and cloud and threw them into a panic. He threw the, uh, the uh, Egyptians into a panic. He caused the wheels of their chariots to break off so that they could not move only with difficulty. The Egyptians said Adonai is fighting for Israel against the Egyptians. Let's get away from them. So they re even they realized who was fighting for the children of Israel, who was fighting for us. It was Adonai. Adonai said to Moshe, reach your hand out over the sea and the water will return and cover the Egyptians with their chariots and cavalry. Moshe reached his hand out over the sea and by dawn, the sea had returned to its former depth. The Egyptians tried to flee but Adonai swept them into the sea. The water came back and covered all the chariots and the cavalry of Pharaoh army who had followed them into the sea. Not even one of them was left, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the sea with the water walled up for them on the right and on the left. On that day, Adonai saved Israel from from the Egyptians. Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the shore. When Israel saw the mighty deed that Adonai had performed against the Egyptians, the people feared Adonai. Now listen at this, because there's a lot of things that came out of this situation. One, God dealt with their enemies. He slew their enemies. But listen at this in uh, verse 31 of uh, Shemot or Exodus 14. When Israel saw the mighty deed that Adonai had performed against the Egyptians, the people feared Adonai. They reverenced him. That's the word fear mean. They reverenced him and they believed in Adonai. They put their, their trust in Adonai and in his servant Moses. So God did three things for sure is that he took care of their enemies. He caused them to have confidence in Moses and he caused them to trust him when they saw what happened in this situation. You see, a lot of times we're looking at the situation and how difficult a situation is, but God is looking at what's going to come out of that situation, what's going to be birthed from that situation. He's not as concerned about how bad it looks to us as he is on what he, what he plans to get out of it. Now, who would have thought when the children of Israel... And when we, as one of the Israelites, was walled in, when there was Baal-Zephon on one side and when there was, uh, uh, you know, the, the sea was on the other side and, and different things like that, who would have thought 
that we would be able to get out of that situation. Who would have thought that we would be able to advance further? See, when you look with your natural eyes at the situation, that situation will cause the same response in us that it caused in them. Fear, panic, worry, all those kind of things. And all of that does us no good to fear, to worry, to get stressed out, to get uh, all emotional, to get, you know, to start falling apart and all of that. Because the person who this who brought us out of Egypt that far will well he's responsible for bringing us to where he said he would bring us and you know in situations that we go through we learn more and more and more about God that's why Paul even said he said that I glory in my infirmities I glory in the difficult things even though they're not pleasant all the time those are the things that I glory in because of the power of Christ, because now I get to know him better. God gets to expose different parts about himself to us in those difficult times. He gets to show us different things about himself in those difficult times. And now the same people who were fearing uh, and who were coming unglued, to, to, to use that type of language, to, they were coming unglued. Now they have a song. And who would have thought that there would be a song out of such a situation? But in uh, Exodus chapter 15, in the book of Shemot, uh, in verse 1, it says, Moses or Moshe sung this song to Adonai. He's singing to the one who has delivered them. He's pointing, he's directing his song to God. He said, I will sing to Adonai. For he is, now he's acknowledging God in his song, for he is highly exalted. The horse and the rider he threw into the sea. Now it becomes personal. You see, the every situation that we go through, especially those that are difficult, there's something about it that God becomes more personal to us. You see, he becomes more personal because he Moses says, Yah uh, is my strength. My song, he's, he's my strength, my strength, and he's my song. And he says that he has become my salvation. He says, this is my God. And, and the things that happen in our life, they provoke a response towards God from us. He said, I will glorify him. And he's talking about his legacy now. He said, he's my father's God. I will exalt him. He's acknowledging again. He says, Adonai is a warrior. Uh, Adonai is his name. He's acknowledging God's actions. He says, Pharaoh's chariot and his army, he hurled into the sea. He's giving God credit. He said, his elite commanders were drowned in the sea of Suf or the Red Sea. The deep waters covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. He says this, he says, your right hand uh, Adonai is sublimely powerful. And we know that these are metaphor metaphors because God is a spirit. God does not have a physical hand like we do. But when he's talking about a hand and when he's talking about your right hand, who is at the right hand of God? Jesus is. So he was saying that Jesus is sublimely powerful. That's what he's talking about. He says, your right hand, Adonai, shatters the foe. Jesus is the one. Yeshua is the one who deals with our enemies. By your great majesty, you bring down your enemies. You send out your wrath to consume them like stubble. And he's acknowledging again, he's acknowledging of the overarching power of God over 
any of his enemies the sovereignty and immensity of God's power everywhere, even in the natural realm. He is acknowledging, once again, uh, the overarching power of God over any of his enemies, the sovereignty of God and the immensity of God's power everywhere, even in this natural realm. He says, with a blast from your nostrils, the waters piled up, the waters stood up like a wall, talking about when they walked through the Red Sea and the waters parted to the right and to the left, and they stood up like a wall. Uh, you know, he's talking about the preparations that God made for the Israelites. He said, the depths of the sea became firm ground. It wasn't slushy. Or, or, or it wasn't muddy or anything like that. He said it became firm ground. God is able to change the very constitution of a thing, the very uh, uh, molecule structure of a thing. God is able to take the natural thing and, and change his whole composition to accommodate you and I. Remember the man that was blind when Jesus took the mud, spin, took the dirt and spit on it and put it on the man's eye and he began to see. God's knowledge of the enemies, uh, thoughts. God has an inside knowledge of our enemies. Remember, he said that Pharaoh will say that the, that the, that the children of Israel are lost in the wilderness. When he saw how they were closed in on each side, he said, God said, I know what Pharaoh is thinking. He's going to think that the, that the wilderness has closed you in. He said, the enemy said, I will pursue and overtake divide the spoil and gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword. My hand will destroy them. This is what the enemy, God has Moses to write and record what the enemy was thinking. And then he goes back to acknowledgement in his song of, for God's deliverance of Israel. He said, you blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sunk like lead in the mighty waters. Then he, he's viewing God in light of universal people, powers, uh, entities, or spiritual beings. Listen at this. He said, who is like Adonai among the mighty? Who is like you? Sublime in holiness, awesome in praise, working wonders. You reached out your hand, your right hand. The earth swallowed them. Then he goes to declaration of God's own heart towards Israel. In all, listen, in all of our journeys, we have to remember how God feels about us so that we don't accuse God of, of, of something that he did not do. Remember, they said, why did you bring us out here? Da, 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 da. And there's other times when they said, you know, when they were said some hard things against God. And then if you remember, even flashing back again, like I use different scriptures to make a point. But if you remember, uh, even with, uh, with, with the disciples at one time, you know, uh, Jesus, they asked Jesus, don't you care that we perish? Yeah, of course he does. But listen at what he says. He's declaring God's heart towards his people. And we need to remember that God loves us and everything that we go through. God is not the one who is trying to destroy us. He's not the one who's trying to put more on us than we can bear. He's not the one who has left us when we don't feel him. But yet he's right there because we're trying to, you know, get into this natural thing of feeling God and all this kind of stuff. But in your he said in your love, you led the people you redeemed in your love. Listen, in your love, you led the people you redeemed. No matter how hard the journey is, 
whatever place God leads us to and whatever God brings us through, he's, he loves us. And it's because of his love that he's bringing us that way. In your strength, you guided them to your holy abode. Then he uh, talks about God's testimony in the world. He says the peoples have heard. People are going to hear what's going on in your life and they're going to glorify God. The peoples have heard and they tremble in anguish. And, and, and anguish takes hold on uh, of the of those living in Palestine, he says. Then the chiefs of Edom are dismayed. The Edomites were the were the uh, offspring of Esau. Uh, uh, he says trepidation seizes the heads of Moab. Moab was uh, uh, the offspring of Lot when his daughter daughters got him pregnant, and one of them that got pregnant by the, when his daughters got him drunk rather and uh, slept with their father. Moab was one of the results that uh, of one of the daughters that getting pregnant by her father was well, the, Mo the Moabite people. He said trepidation seizes the heads of Moab. All those living in Canaan are melted away. Terror and dread fell on them. Then he goes back to acknowledgement again of the actions of God. He says, by the might of your arm, they are still as stone until your people pass over Adonai, till the people you purchase pass over. Then he's talking about God's providence. He says, you will bring them in and plant them on the mountain, which is your heritage, the place Adonai that you made uh, your abode, the sanctuary Adonai which your hands established. God is always trying to bring us somewhere and he's already prepared the place for us that he's trying to bring us. Amen. Because even uh, when Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you and I'll come again. You see, first he's going to prepare it, then he's coming and get us. All right. Then he goes back to acknowledgement of the eternal existence of God, talking about Moshe or Moses in his song after the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea. He says, Adonai will reign forever and ever. Uh, then he's talking about a remembrance of the frailty of God's uh, and our enemy, God's enemy and our enemies and how frail they really are. But we need to realize that when we're going through our next battle, that God's enemies before him are very frail. He says, for the horses of Pharaoh or Paro went with his chariots and with his cavalry into the sea. But Adonai brought the sea. You see, he says, but a conjunction, but they had planned that uh, uh, the, the Egyptians had planned to follow the children of Israel. And they did. And they had planned to raise their sword up and gorge themselves on them and do all these things to them and divide their spoils and all that. The enemy has already made up his mind what he was going to do. Just like in our lives, the enemy has already made up in his mind what he plans on doing to us. But there's a conjunction. He says, but Adonai brought the sea waters back upon them. The very thing that God uses to deliver us, he will use the same thing to destroy the enemy. Did you hear what I said? The very thing that God uses to deliver us, you and I, is the very thing that he will use to destroy the enemy. He said, while the people of Israel walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. And this is what happened when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. And listen at this. It says, Miriam, the prophetess. Some versions say prophet, but prophet is more towards a male than a female. But uh, it says Miriam, the prophetess, took a 
tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines, dancing as Miriam sang to them. Miriam's words, sing to Adonai, for he is highly exalted, the horse and its rider he threw in the sea. Now, this is why we need to make sure that we exercise our senses and make sure that we learn self-control and we learn temperance. The Bible said, know how to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. Because this same Miriam that is singing right here, and I'm not trying to throw cold water on a, on a, on a fire, but the same Miriam that's singing right here and talking about how great God is, is the same Miriam that came against Moses and turned leprous when she came against Moses or Moshe, you see. And a lot of times people are very shifty. Did you hear what I said? They, they, they change some of them like, like you know, <laughs> they, they just change so quick, you know, and one minute. They're going forward in God and they're praising God and all these kind of things. And the next minute they're coming against you and attacking you. But we have to remember that really, in essence, it's it's them because they allow the enemy to use them. But it's the enemy that's behind these actions, you see. And so, you know, there's in God, there is there is mountains and there, there are valleys. But we have to learn as people how to remain consistent how to remain level, how to remain, you know, uh, 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 self-controlled. We have to learn that because every day is going to be something different. The, as, the, as one of the children of Israel, we will walk through many stations. We will go through many places. As we walk, we will have many different experiences. But are we able to maintain ourselves? Are we able to maintain our emotions? Are we able to maintain our emotional stability with God's help? And that's another thing is because now we have, since Jesus died, uh, he said that is imperative that I do this and that I go away so that the comforter can come. And so when Jesus left this face of this earth, the Holy Spirit came and the Holy Spirit is everything to us now that Jesus was to his disciples then. Did you hear what I said? The Holy Spirit is everything to us now that Jesus was to his disciples then. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. The Holy Spirit is the one who expounds on the word. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, would lead us and guide us into all the truth. But we must ask God to help us and to show us to illuminate our minds and our thinking to be able to see into the spirit realm, not just see this natural realm, but to look into the spirit realm because there are many enemies around us. There are many uh, uh, spiritual principalities and powers around us that we have to deal with. Uh, in, in, in my closing, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, um, let me see, in verse number 10, where he's talking about putting on the whole armor of God, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
uh, and he talks about the different armor that we need to put on. But you see, we see little peeps of the devil in the Old Testament or in the former covenant. We see different times where he showed up in the garden. He showed up in, in Job's life and, 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 and accused Job of not truly being committed to God. We see where he showed up and he rose up against David and he uh, caused David to number the children of Israel. But we don't really see the devil in these different journeys that the children of Israel uh, were taking, you see. But yet he was there just as much as he was from the beginning in the Garden of Eden. Uh, but we are able to take into account all these things as we journey with God. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, you see, you and I, those that are born again who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Spirit. We have the record before us of the journeys that the children of Israel took and the mistakes that they made and the things that they did right and all that kind of thing. And so we have a great advantage, but we have to, you know, the Bible said that the, that the word of God did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. And so no matter what we do, we have to remember that we need to have faith, keep faith foremost, love for God and faith in God. The Bible said that without faith, it is impossible to please God, you see, and say those that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So as we go through these different stations as an Israelite, as we come out of Egypt, there are certain things that we just have to remember. And, you know, and 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 we're going to talk more in other podcasts, Lord willing, about these things. And so I just want to remind you about the, the website, uh, chocolatecommerce.biz. You can go on there. Uh, we also have masks that we're making with different inspirational things on. If you'd like to buy a mask for, you know, the COVID-19, you can contact me uh, at RevKev uh, and the root 2020 at gmail.com. RevKev and the root 2020 at gmail.com. Uh, and also, I just pray that God bless you and keep you. Father, we thank you for this lesson. We thank you for this day, Lord. I ask that you would bless your people, that you would keep them. Father, I thank you for the ones that have emailed me, Lord, and I pray that you would minister on their behalf, that you would work things out in their lives, Lord, according to your will, according to your desire. And Father, those, again, Lord, that are dealing with COVID-19, I pray that you'd heal their bodies. Lord, those that have lost loved ones, I pray that you would draw close to them, that you would heal their hearts, heal their emotions, Lord, and be with them. So, Father, we just give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, until next time, God bless you.